So we're continuing in our series, uh, looking at the earliest church. And last week we kicked off our time uh, of exploration, looking at the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples. Remember, it was, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. That was the commission. And we talked about how before we even get to a picture of what the church looks like in the Bible, that we get these marching orders to make disciples, to tell people about Jesus and to walk with them, to help them as they grow in Christ-likeness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to jump into the book of Acts and we're going to look at the last recorded conversation that we see Jesus having with his apostles. Think of it as part two of what we talked about last week, uh, an expansion and a clarification on the mission that we saw him give in Matthew 28. And so he says this, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, this is how he starts the book of Acts, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. And so first of all, Acts, to give you some background, it's written by Luke. Luke was a doctor uh, in the first century, and he was the author of the Gospel of Luke. And so in the Bible, Luke, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he penned two books, and he wrote them for this person named Theophilus. And we don't know who Theophilus is. The name literally means God lover, right? But, but many scholars believe that Theophilus commissioned Luke to gather all the details about Jesus and, and, to outline, um, and to outline what it was all about, what Jesus was doing, all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. That was the first book. And now in Acts, he's put together a detailed account of what happened after Jesus ascended to heaven. Some of it he was even there for, especially in the second part of the book. And so he goes on in verse 3. He says, After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so over 40 days, Jesus continued to appear to his apostles and he spent his time talking to them about the kingdom of God. That's going to be really important for this passage, the kingdom of God. Because not everybody's idea of the kingdom of God matches up with what Jesus was talking about. And this plays out in the other narratives in the Bible where a lot of folks get confused by exactly what the kingdom of God is supposed to be. More than confused, they take their own understanding and ideas and longings and hopes, and then they fashion an idea of the kingdom of God that speaks solely to those, right? What the kingdom of God needs, if it's going to be important for me, it needs to solve my problems. But Jesus was often correcting people and clarifying what his kingdom actually looked like. He's going to do that in this passage too. Right? And we should be thankful when people get it wrong in Scripture because we get the benefit of seeing Jesus bring truth to bear on their mistakes. Right, <laughs> We get to gain clarity uh, simply by reading their accounts. Right, We don't have to be the ones who are saying things to Jesus and getting corrected for them. We get to watch other people do it and learn from that. 
right? He spent 40 days talking to them about the kingdom. Well, now the 40 days, they've come to a close. And in verse 4, we see that while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. That is, not to run away, not to return home, not to make any rash decisions. It says he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So he spends 40 days talking about the kingdom of God, this kingdom that the Jewish people had been waiting centuries for. They had a they had a kingdom once, right? Israel with some of the greatest kings, but it was destroyed. Right? Their great city, their temple, they were scattered across the nations. Right? And then they've come back together. The temple gets rebuilt. This is around Jesus' day. But they had no king. That's the one missing piece. There was no king. They had priests, but there was never a king. Instead, during the time of Je- the, during the time that Jesus is having this conversation, they're actually occupied under Roman rule, under the Roman Empire. So when Jesus, the king that they've waited for, talks to them about setting up a kingdom, their minds are on one thing, right? And, and on his last day with him, he tells them what? Wait. Wait. Wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now remember, last week we said that baptized meant to be immersed. Right? That's why people go under the water and come up. And he compares that with John's baptism. That's John the Baptist, right? Who immersed people in water uh, as Jesus was coming on the scene. Now he tells his disciples that they will be immersed in the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit and the coming of the kingdom, they go hand in hand, and they would have known that from the Old Testament. But perhaps it's not going to happen in the way that they think. Look what question they ask him. They say, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? When he mentions this. Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Are you going to restore the glory days of Israel? Are you going to give back what's been taken from us? In modern terms, are you going to make Israel great again? Consider what might happen when the Holy Spirit baptized these men. In the past, in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit came upon folks, when, when the very presence of God was with his prophets, there are these examples in the Old Testament where these people gained supernatural warrior strength, like Samson, or, or the ability to call down fire from heaven. To, or to the ability to part the seas, or even do you think about David with his slingshot and a few smooth stones taking down a giant, right? This is the picture that we have in the Old Testament when the Spirit accompanies God's people. Imagine how 11 guys, right, these apostles, and Jesus might boot Rome out of Jerusalem with that kind of power, right? Avengers style, right? Have you ever heard of the Avengers, the superheroes, right? You're thinking about the Spirit of God coming on this group of men. But Jesus answers them like this. He said to them, verse 7, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And, and what does he say next? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus tells them they are not going to be warriors. No, they're not going to be warriors. They're going to be witnesses. And they're going to be witnesses not only to the people that they know and love, but to the nations, to the people that they don't associate with, to the people that they don't even like, right? Even the Romans. So what does it mean to be a witness? Right? It means someone who has seen the resurrected Christ and shares good news about him. Right? It, it tells, he tells them, wait in Jerusalem but they're not going to stay there and wait for the kingdom to be restored. They're going to spread the kingdom to the ends of the earth. It used to be in the Old Testament that Israel was the kingdom and that the nations would make pilgrimage to worship Yahweh, the God of Israel there. Now, Jesus is telling his people to carry that kingdom to the nations. The place no longer matters. What God is seeking is worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, as Jesus says in John 4. The kingdom comes not by war, but by witnessing, sharing the king with the world. And he corrects them a little bit here. It's, it's not for them to know the times and the periods that the father has fixed in advance. He says there's a day, right? When a physical kingdom will come, where peace on earth will come, the righteous king will rule. But before that happens, Jesus will bring a spiritual revolution across the globe. For as long as the Father desires. Bring it on. And verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Another translation says a cloud hid him from them. It was hidden from them. Right? And that's it. That's where he, that's what he left them with. Wait, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. There's a day the Father has fixed. Verse 10, while he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. You know, this passage has brought some clarity to me because the lesson that I am always learning and especially learning lately is to wait, right? To listen to God and to look for where he's working. And that's not always where or how I picture it. I, I have a lot of dreams and I have a lot of good desires and I want to see uh, these things come to fruition in my lifetime. I want God to bless these things. And I found out that it's really natural for me to pray that God would bless my plans, but less natural for me to stop and listen to God and ask him what his plans are. Amen. Where he wants me, what he wants me to do, who he wants me to serve. Even if we look at our church, I had all sorts of ideas about the process of starting this church, plans, timelines, uh, mile markers, right, that I was thinking we were going to hit based off of my earlier experience doing it in another place. 
And God turned all those things upside down, right? There, there's COVID-19. There's the, the loss of my mother. There's people who said they were going to help that didn't help. There's people we hoped would help that never helped. There's people that helped that we never imagined would have helped, right? Uh, there have certainly been some unexpected losses and some hard lessons along the way for me. And, and as far as the church that God's building, I'm glad that he deviated from my plan, right? I love what God is doing here. When I read this passage, it gives me clarity that I'm in a long line of disciples of Jesus. I'm yet another follower of Jesus who has, who has great ideas that make perfect sense to me, right? That make perfect sense in a culture that says, plan your work and work your plan, yet I need to remember that God has planned my work and I need to work God's plan. So I'm working on listening. I'm working on figuring out the places that God is already at work ahead of me and looking for the places where I can join him in that work. Well, I want to take some time to wrap the gospel around these things that we're talking about. I was struck by the image that Luke gives us as Jesus ascended into heaven and his disciples are watching him. They're going, he's going up into heaven. He's hidden by the cloud and they just keep gazing, right? And all of a sudden there's these two men. It's implied that they're angels, right? And they say in verse 10, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. So Jesus doesn't want us standing looking into the sky, right? And maybe that is some of the waiting that seems crazy and lazy. If if all we're doing is spending our time just like checking our watch and being like, when's Jesus going to return and do the rest of the things that he says he's going to do? He doesn't want us looking into the stars and trying to discern uh, what the stars are doing and are things aligning for his return to be like in, in a couple minutes, right? He doesn't want us spending our days figuring out when he's coming back, right? He doesn't want us to strong arm even a pseudo kingdom, a false kingdom here on earth. That's not what he's calling us to do. We're called to be witnesses of Jesus, to share the good news that's changed our lives, right? Good news that has and still can continue to change the world, right? He is returning. That's part of the gospel, part of the good news. So often we take the gospel simply as, what's the gospel? Oh, Jesus died for my sins. Yes, and and he was raised, yes. But the part that I so often find left out of a gospel presentation or what we consider to be the gospel is that he ascended to the right hand of the Father and that he'll return. That's really important. That's, that's very important because remember their question, are you going to restore the kingdom? That's a valid question, right? Are you going to set things right yet, Jesus? Are, are we all waiting for that question to be answered? That's the lingering question of humanity. Yes. And, and we're waiting. Wait here, he said. Be my witnesses, he said. Don't sit staring at the sky, right? He's promised he'll return. 
right? And we need to be active in our waiting. We need to be waiting in faith. And don't forget that he tells them that the Holy Spirit will be with them, right? Like Camilla brought up, right? We can't mistake God's invisibility for his absence. He is with us. He's with us in the waiting. He's with us when we get it wrong. He's with us when it's painful. If we were to go on in this chapter, we'd see that the next thing these apostles do is they obey Jesus in waiting. And they join with over 100 other disciples in a room, in an upper room, and they pray together in that room. And they wait. And on the day of Pentecost, what we're going to talk about next week, the promise of the Father, just as Jesus said, comes. The Holy Spirit descends, and the world has never been the same since. Amen. We are waiting witnesses clinging to God in his promises and his presence. Those are the two things that he gives us today.